You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hi again. Great to have you guys with us here and online. And we are today celebrating and completing our two-year giving campaign called For the City. And I'm excited to share with you some of the things that God did over these last two years through us, through this uh, particular community of faith. And on April 28th, 2019, I can't believe it's been two years already since we talked first talked about For the City, where I um, introduced a vision of the waters of the Deschutes River rising up, a vision I feel like God gave to me for our community of faith, that these waters of the Deschutes, not literally, by the way, I'm not, I'm not prophesying a flood, um, but metaphorically speaking, that the waters of the Deschutes would rise and saturate every area of Central Oregon, that our schools would be saturated with the life and love of Jesus, government buildings, um, uh, marketplaces, um, workplaces. There would just be, the, 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 the reality would be that, that the influence of God would be seen and felt and experienced all over our region through us. And uh, for those of you that were here, maybe you remember I, I, I read from Ezekiel 47. Now, interestingly, um, just yesterday, uh, Cliff Haynes, who used to be the pastor of Westside Church decades ago, um, and him and his wife Mary still attend our church um, when they're in town, and they live here in Bend. And so they, uh, he sent me a text uh, just yesterday when I shared this vision last week. He was reminded, um, I wrote it down to get this right, that in the fall of 1982, his first year of pastoring, he, had, he shared from this passage, Ezekiel 47, that I'm gonna read to you. And he felt like it was a picture back in 1982 of the influence that Westside Church would have over the years. And this is what Ezekiel 47 says. In my vision, so Ezekiel the prophet has a vision. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. And there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. So this picture is this temple. By the way, this temple that Ezekiel prophesies has never been built. Um, and in, in most scholars believe that this is, this is describing um, what Jesus said, the temple that we are now, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so that this kind of describes how, how his uh, how his spirit works through us. And so he's kind of seeing this temple all around it um, from inside and outside. And in verse three, it says, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for uh, 1,750 feet, very, very precise, and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. And then he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. And this time the water was up to my knees after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist, and then another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. So as further out, out from the temple, the water's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. That's the imagery here. And it was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Are you getting this? In other words. And then he led me back to the riverbank. And when I returned, check this out. I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea and the waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. 
Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from Engedi to Eglium. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month for they are watered by this river that's flowing from the temple and the fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. And this is in essence the picture that I believe God has spoken to Westside and what I learned yesterday for decades. A picture of the river flowing out of us. Jesus said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. And everywhere that water flows out of us, there will be life, health, um, fruitfulness, hope that emerges in people's lives. In those places where there's deserts and, and, and hopelessness, God's gonna do a new work. Did you notice though that the places where people that aren't open to the movement of the Holy Spirit, the swamps will still stay swampy? It's interesting. I'm not gonna, this, 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 wasn't even, this isn't even the message, the text for today. So that's all free for all of you. So thank, thank you, thank you, Pastor Cliff for reminding me of that. But wherever the water is, there is life. And that really was the idea that as we move into our city, as we move out from the temple, God's going to continue to flow through us and bring life to our city and to our region. And that's really what for the city is all about. And, uh, and so we're gonna take a moment and celebrate. We put together a, a, a brief video to celebrate kind of some of what God did uh, through all of us, uh, through you um, over these past two years. So watch this. Hey, Westside, we did it. Thank you for everything you have invested in the For the City campaign. You know, two years ago, we set out and committed to creating avenues in which to saturate our city with the life and love of Jesus. And in these past two years, we have seen how God has used this vision to help meet the needs of our city. Being for our city is now a beautiful part of our identity with Westsiders like you showing up for our neighbors and community, both individually and collectively. Our City Impact Initiative has included civic outreach, specifically with schools and local government. In March of 2020, we started our Hope and Helpline as an avenue to directly help families in the Ben Lapina School District. We identified and provided financial help to 30 to 50 families per month. City Impact includes a partnership with Neighbor Impact, who currently uses our building every Monday through Friday for their Head Start program rent-free. All this in addition to the free food market, which serves hundreds of needy families every month, and a giving tree this past Christmas that was bigger than ever. City Without Orphans expresses our ongoing passion and goal of surrounding every child in Central Oregon with a family who cares. We want to be that family that sees them, helps them, and reflects a God who loves them. So we've made progress with foster and adopted support, and individual Westside families provided foster care even amidst the uncertainty of 2020. We built stronger relationships and trust with our local community partners and organizations that work with children in crisis. Our bilingual ministry is beautiful and growing. We started with an initial core ministry team in 2019. We quickly added outreach and care elements when families began to struggle in March of 2020. Our bilingual team quickly pivoted to meet families in their need. We started our bilingual service digitally on Easter of 2020, and the service is now available to attend both live and online weekly. Come and check it out. 
We launched our church plant with Pastor Seth and Maria Waters in September of 2019. And since then, Creation Church has thrived despite the pandemic. Westside sent over 150 people to help the church plant, many of them making up the initial core team. We're so proud of Seth and our Westside family for stepping out and moving into the new things that God had for us. The goal of the new media initiative has been to make the good news of Jesus accessible to everyone everywhere. And so through this, we've added to our digital resources, our daily devotions, we've improved our existing online tools and our website, and through the process have reached into tens of thousands of homes through the live stream of our online gatherings. Now recently, uh, we launched a brand new television program, Westside TV, which is now available in Washington, Oregon, California, as well as internationally. Jesus is helping us reach our neighbors in authentic ways, and our digital content is helping that happen. Thank you, Westside, for partnering with us and giving so generously of your time and finances. Thank you for showing up for our community and neighbors as we envision continued movement and growth in each of these areas. The life and love of Jesus is bringing transformation to everyone, everywhere across Central Oregon. And we are so excited to continue to be a part of how God is moving and to keep being a church for the city. Awesome, so good, you guys. Um, we, well done uh, these last couple of years. Many of many people have asked, well, are we done with all of those things? Nope, we're gonna keep doing that stuff, but the giving campaign has con concluded, and um, if you do wanna continue to give towards uh, these initiatives um, above your regular giving, um, there's an opportunity to do that through our ministry fund, um, but I wanna encourage you to just keep engaging um, with our city in practical ways, and I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that um, today. Um, I was driving around yesterday, and have you noticed a lot of different license plates in Bend lately? Um, there's just a ton in our city, a lot of new people moving into the area. Um, of course, we're entering into some of the vacation season as well, but I saw, I saw license plates from Ohio, Nevada, Illinois, Hawaii, and California just yesterday. <laughs> I'm driving around, and I wasn't driving around that, that much. <laughs> it's just amazing. And it was, what's funny to me, though, is like, if you, have you ever thought of this? Like, if you're driving behind somebody, let's just say from Ohio, just to pick on Ohio for a second, and they have no idea how to drive through a roundabout. <laughs> just listen, do you think everyone from Ohio doesn't know how to drive through a roundabout? We do. Because that's human nature. We tend to group people in, we tend to group people. And once you meet someone from Ohio, once you drive behind someone from Ohio, you think every, every Ohioan, Ohioan drives like that. Um, or we could use California, but that might be a little too personal for people in our church. Um, there's something about the way that we're wired. And by the way, I'm not saying this is right. I think it's actually really, really wrong of us to do this. But it is kind of the way humans are wired that when you, once you've met one person, from a particular group, you think we think that we've met every person from that particular group. And it's, and it's not right, but it is kind of the way it is. And when Jesus said that the world would know um, that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another, he was saying that he knew that this is the way we were wired. That when people met one Christ follower, they'll think I've met all Christ followers. When I met one Christian, I've met all Christians. And so depending upon who they meet, it could, it could completely um, determine 
um, their idea of Christianity based on just the one Christian they meet. Does that make sense? And so this is why it's so important. This is why we talk so much about how we love, how we, um, how we display um, who Jesus is, who God is to our world and how important that is. Um, in Matthew 16, there's this interesting conversation that Jesus has with his followers. In Matthew um, 16, verse um, I'll start in verse 13. And it's an interesting conversation, and particularly how he ends what he says. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples really a big question, like the biggest question Jesus ever asked anybody. Um, and he asked them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Or in other words, who do people say I am? That's what Jesus is asking. And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is an epic moment. I mean, this is a moment where Peter is vocalizing who he believes Jesus is. And Jesus says to, says to Peter, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven um, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Um, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'm gonna build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Verse 20, then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And I wanna kind of zero in on that, like, this is the biggest moment of these disciples' lives when they have this revelation of who Jesus is, God come in the flesh, the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for. This is this moment, and you can bet they want to tell somebody because this is like they've had this revelation, and I want to go. I'm sure Peter wanted to go and tell the city of Jerusalem Caesarea Philippi, where they were at that moment as well, like, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. We just figured this out, you guys. Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. But Jesus sternly warns them not to tell anyone. And I'm thinking, what? I mean, this is like evangelism 101. Tell somebody. And Jesus, and I think there's a couple of reasons. One is timing. It wasn't the right time for the revelation of Jesus to the world in terms of who he is. Um, and so I think a lot of it has to do with timing. But I think there's also another reason that I think, and, we'll see, and you'll see this in just a moment, that Jesus meant for his way, his gospel, even who he is, his name, to be more about show and tell, not just tell. Show people who Jesus is by how we live, by what we do. And we know this is true because um, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, um, in, in a really interesting passage, separates humanity into two groups, and uh, the sheep and the goats. So he, so he talks about this in the, kind of in the final judgment period, in the final days, this, Jesus is going to um, come back. When Jesus comes back, he's gonna separate people into two groups, and he calls them sheep and goats, and then the sheep are the ones who do what he says, and the goats are the ones who don't. And he describes uh, the sheep as those who kind of, who fed Jesus. He actually says this, he, that the, the sheep are those who fed Jesus, um, who gave Jesus a drink, who welcomed Jesus into their home when he was a stranger, who gave Jesus clothing, who cared for Jesus when he was sick, 
and who visited Jesus when he was in prison. And that, that's, what he, that's how he describes the sheep. And look at what they say in response in verse 37. These righteous ones, the sheep, they'll reply, Lord, uh, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Because I can't remember doing that. I don't remember doing that with you, Jesus, or, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality. I, we know you, Jesus. When, I mean, you're not a stranger to us. When did we do that to you? Because I don't remember showing you hospitality to a, as a stranger, and I certainly don't remember you naked and giving you clothing, Jesus. When did that happen? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison? I'm pretty sure you've never been arrested yet, and so when did we visit you in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then the king will turn to those on the left, uh, the goats, and say, away with you, you cursed ones in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Uh, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Wow, that's a heavy passage, isn't it? But what appears to be most important to Jesus is how we treat him by the way we treat each other. That seems to be really, really important to him. So important, matter of fact, that he separates us based on that. Um, and especially to the least of those among us. The marginalized, the helpless, the hopeless, the broken people that need the life and love of Jesus. It seems really important to Jesus. And I think he wants us to understand that the way we love him is through the way we love others. Our visible demonstration of our love for God is seen by how we treat one another. It's the water moving out from the temple that brings life and help and healing to our world. Bob Goff wrote in his book, um, I've been mentioning his book last week and this week, Everyone Always, a great book. If you just wanna be happy, just read that book. Remember Bob Goff was here, I don't know, four or five years ago and he was just so encouraging. This is what he wrote. I've met a lot of people who say they're waiting for God to give them a plan for their lives they talk about this plan like it's a treasure map. God has folded up in his back pocket. <laughs> Only pirates have those, he writes. People who want a reason to delay often wait for plans. People who are becoming love, don't. Don't make this more complicated than it is. Just start, go find someone who's hungry right now and do something about it. I was just waiting to see if anybody got up and, and did <laughs> It's okay if you want to. I've heard lots of people say that giving the poor a fishing pool is better than giving them a meal, but I don't see them giving away many fish or pools. 
Today is not just about ending and celebrating a two-year giving campaign called For This City. It really is about renewing our commitment to the living campaign of being for our city, being for one another. We don't need a giving campaign to do it, to love. We don't need a ministry plan. We certainly don't need a profit and loss statement. We just need to do it and keep doing it. Goff will sometimes buy 20 hamburgers on his way home from work and drive around town asking if anyone is hungry. (laughs) He's a special dude. I give him that. But man, that is amazing. He keeps water bottles in his car. Just when when he sees someone who looks thirsty, he can give them a bottle of water. This past January, our, our fam, we had a family outreach event. 30 families volunteered. They came here. They assembled care packages for the homeless. They colored, the kids colored cards for them. They filled them with words of encouragement. And then they sent half of those packets to the warming shelter here in Bend and the other packets the, the families took so they could just give them out to people that they ran into around our city. It didn't solve the homeless challenge in our community, but hundreds of people received words of encouragement And 30 families took a deeper step towards love being for the city. Our young adults decided on their own a few weeks back to start visiting the homeless camps around Bend, um, riding their bikes to these camps that that we see around town and finding out what their needs are. And they just did it. They didn't didn't have to ask for permission to love. You know, you didn't have to get approval. They didn't have to, they just just did it. We don't have to organize a church-wide initiative to love well. They just did it. Um, Our monthly free food market is something we do every single month to minister to hundreds of people and there's always opportunities to serve. Goff writes this, people people will figure out what we really believe by seeing what what we actually do. People will figure out what we believe by seeing what we do. So I want you to pick one thing that you can do this week. Just one thing to be for someone in your city. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone you go to school with. Maybe it's someone you live with. But just figure out a practical way to show your love for that person because your action will speak to them of your love for them. Maybe it's an encouraging note that you can just write to someone or a text that you can send to someone. Maybe it's asking someone for forgiveness that you've been meaning to do. Uh, Maybe it's volunteering at the free food market. Uh, Maybe it's doing a neighborhood barbecue uh, for your neighbors uh, this weekend or next weekend. Um, Find one thing that you can do this week to love someone in a practical way. Well, I wanna finish up and you know, we talk a lot about showing our faith here at Westside. We, we, We spend a lot of time about how to do that well and but when do we actually share our faith? Have you, have you thought about that? Like, do you hope that never happens? Or what would I say if it did happen? Um, how do I know when that moment does happen? Um, when, so when do I actually open my mouth and tell someone about Jesus? And what does that look like? Well, I love Peter answers this question for us. And you know this, this is true. Because every act of kindness that we do could potentially open up a door of communicating the gospel. Every act of kindness could open up a door. That, that, and so we just need to be ready when that door opens and, and, what, and what, what, what will that look like? So, so here, here it is, 1 Peter chapter three. Peter tells us um, in verse eight, I'll start in verse eight. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Uh, sympathize with each other. Uh, love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. So that's a couple really important things. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. 
Uh, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. <laughs> Man, talk about hard to do, right? Just don't, don't do it. Don't retaliate. We can do this. We're bigger than that. We, we can do it. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will bless you for it. Verse 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, here it is, ready? So if someone asks, I would say when someone asks, because we lean into this for the city thing, if we continue to do this, people will ask, right? So, so when, when someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. So I want you to think today, even right now for a minute, I want you to think, why do I ha- why do I put my why have I put my hope in Jesus? It can be one sentence. Right now, just kind of work that out in your mind. Why, why do have I put my hope in Jesus? Maybe it's because that you've experienced his forgiveness, or maybe it's because he you've felt his presence. Or maybe it's because he's walked with you through some difficult, challenging times. But there's reasons why we continue to put our hope in Christ. And be ready, okay? Be ready. Have that sentence in your heart. And so always be ready to explain it. Check this out. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. That's a big deal. Uh, Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Um, Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they're going to be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Just... Be ready when they ask you, and they will ask you, why is your life producing fruit, and why do you have hope, and why do you have so much joy in your life, and why is there healing happening? Why is this, why is this river that's producing life, what's going on with that? When they ask you, be ready to share your faith in a gentle and respectful way. Well, I'm gonna end today's service by reading one final section from Goff's book. That way you don't feel like you have to go out and read it yourself, okay? Maybe you thought you were simply coming to the end of a book or the end of a service. What if I told you this was actually an intervention and all the people you know have been calling and asking me to break some news to you? You can no longer continue to be the person you've been. What are you going to let go of? Who is it you don't get? Who don't you understand? Who have you been playing it safe with while politely keeping your distance? (laughs) Who has been mean or rude or flat wrong or creeps you out? Don't tell them all your opinions. Give them all your love. I know it's hard for you. It's hard for me too. But I'm learning I have to follow Jesus' example and follow his lead if I'm going to follow in his steps. Even when we feel like we can't muster the strength and humility to love our enemies, the truth is we can. If you want to become love, stop just agreeing with Jesus. Go call someone right now. Lift them up in ways they can't lift themselves. Send them a text message and say you're sorry. I know they don't deserve it. You didn't either. Don't put a toe in the water with your love. Grab your knees and do a cannonball. (laughs) Move from the bleachers to the field and you won't ever be the same. Jesus, help us to represent you in this world. Jesus, I pray that over the coming months, every single person in our city and in our region and in our world that meets someone from this church will realize that every Christian isn't necessarily the ones that they've met prior. 
that there's a new wave of Christianity beginning to emerge where what people see when they meet a Christian is extravagant, radical love where they see you, Jesus, in the way that we express our faith, both in action and in words. We love you, Jesus. Help us to be your representative, honest, authentic representative to this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.